Shalom and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Brutal Planet right here on Yeshiva Radio. My name is Christopher Fredrickson, and it's an honor and a pleasure to be with each and every single one of you here today as we go through this week's New Testament readings for the Torah portion, Shemot, or Shemot, for those of the uh, Sephardi persuasion, if you will. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with each and every single one of you here today. Make sure to go and subscribe to us absolutely free on iTunes, as well as on YouTube, and Vimeo, and make sure to go and check out our website, lapidjudaism.com. And make sure that if you like all the free resources we have over there at lapidjudaism.com, the over 2,000 MP3 teachings, the over 700 videos, as well as hundreds of articles, and as well, Yeshiva Radio, which is right there on the main page. If you like all of these things, and if they're helpful to you in your walk in Torah and Messiah, make sure to go and hit that PayPal donate button. Um, we have to uh, go and take care of our ministry expenses here very soon, and it'd be very helpful if you guys uh, decide to help us out with those things. And as well, one of the things that also helps us out is you can learn a little bit more by also going to HebrewAndAramaic.com. You can go over there and learn the Hebrew and Aramaic languages for only $15 a month, $40 every quarter, that's every three months, or you can uh, go and get a lifetime pass for only $130, okay? So make sure to go and check out all of those things. Now, one of the things that we have in terms of this week's New Testament readings is from the book of Matthai or Matisyahu or Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. Now, within these, we are given a little bit of the nativity story, if you will. Now, this week, you know, many people have, um, uh, in the Christian persuasion, have been going and celebrating Christmas. Now, you guys know, as a Lapid Jew, I don't personally celebrate Christmas, but however, I always look at things through this lens. Menachel Mendel Schneerson, Lavavitcher Rebbe, ended up saying that the things that are mundane, the things that are without any sort of, um, that are things that are secular, and a great deal of Christmas in today's society is indeed secular. He says to go and use those to gather the sparks of Kedushim. Go and make the things that are mundane, the things that are secular, and use them for the, for the glory of Hashem. And so the thing about it, though, is many people in the Hebrew Roots movement love to attack their former religious institution and attack um, Christmas. And though I do not celebrate it myself, at the same time, I actually see the words of the Lubavitcher Rebbe coming to pass by Christians going and celebrating that particular 
uh, Feast and Festival. Now, one of the things that when I've talked about this, people go and automatically go and cite the Jeremiah 10 passage, and then I always have to ask this question. Well, you're going to cite Jeremiah 10? Okay, that's that's great. It's scripture. How many fir trees are there in the land of Israel or Egypt or Babylon or any of these places that are mentioned within that of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah is writing from? Do we have any fir trees there? No. And if we read the whole chapter within context, we actually see that it's not talking about su such a thing. Many people, however, that I know of know this to be true, that first of all, that it's not talking about, you know, the Christmas tree, but they say, you know what, it kind of helps, uh, helps out our mission anyway. So, you know, we're going to adopt the talking points that we get from various different places, you know, to basically further the reason for a person to come into, whether it be the Hebrew roots or the, or uh, Messianic Judaism or something like that. And the thing about it, though, is, is one of the things you guys know about me is that we have to be honest in our scholarship. We have to be honest in those things. Because the fact is that uh, the, the, you could really do a, a great deal of harm if we're not honest with one another and if we're not honest in our debate in terms of certain things. So the thing about it was that though it is that I do not celebrate uh, certain holidays that my Christian brethren do, at the same time, you know, and this is a time of the year in which it is that they are going and uh, giving of themselves, which is a form of, of zedaka. And when we say zedaka, which is charity, we see that, um, that the word zedek, for a righteous person is within that word of Zadaka. We see the people are going and learning about the birth of the Messiah, though the birth of the Messiah was, you know, during the time of the fall. The thing about it, though, is that it's still at the same time they're still reading these scripture passages and going through this story. And so the thing about it, though, is anytime that a person is reading scripture, anytime that, that it is that a person is focusing in on the Messiah, you know, the thing about it, though, is I find that to be a good thing. And the thing that's very interesting is that, you know, these passages usually come up around the, this, this time of year. And we have a lot of parallels in terms of Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, that we read in the first six chapters of that of the book of Shemot or Exodus, and also within this story as well. And just to kind of start it out on the Peshat level, one of the things that we ultimately end up seeing is that uh, male Jewish men or Jewish children would were killed by that of Pharaoh's minions and so on and so forth. So we have a person on the upper echelon of government going and having, you know, uh, certain, having babies killed, you know, and all of these things. And Moshe Rabbeinu had to kind of, you know, um, his mother had to kind of go and put him under the radar in many ways by having him being sent up the river and all those things. And so we see the very same thing happening here within these verses in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, where we see Herod goes to have um, any of these babies that were born during this time because of the prophecies of the coming Messiah that was talked about within that of Sanhedrin 27 and 28, or I'm sorry, 97 and 98, within that of the Babylonian Talmud. We end up seeing that that this was very well known within that of the Jewish world that these things were going to happen and that Mashiach ben Yosef, which they thought would be Mashiach ben David, was coming during during this time. And so the thing about this is we see the very same thing happening, um, you know, in the book of Shemot as we see within that of 
two of the of the Bessel Road within two of the Gospels. We see it happening in Matthew. We also see it happening within that of Luke as well. But the thing I want to focus in on here today is there are these uh, mystical cats that uh, a lot of people have heard of, but however, we don't know that much about them. And we're going to see if we can go and discover a little bit about these guys within these passages. And these are the individuals called the Magi, okay? Now, one of the things that I ended up doing is that I asked on my social media platforms if anybody um, has a little bit of insight that they would like to share on who it is that they think the Magi are. And the thing I could say is that I've gotten responses from many of you guys in terms of this. And the thing that was very interesting is that just like the commentaries that we're going to be bringing out here today that I've gotten from several different books that I use as my resources, um, we see that the uh, scholarship is split among you guys as well. You know, nobody's really um, in full agreement one way or another. And it really just kind of goes underneath to kind of tells us, you know, uh, to make us wonder, you know, what is the mystery of these individuals, these magi and all of those things. And so one of the things that I, I did come across is that one of the individuals that commented uh, cited another teacher and they said, well, um, the, uh, this other teacher said that, uh, that the Magi were in Hebrew, it is Hokamim. Now the Hokamim stem from the word Chokma, which means wisdom. So I can understand why it is that a person would come to that conclusion. Um, and this is one of the words for that of the Jewish sages. They were known as Chokamim. And so, you know, so I kind of understand that. And I kind of understand that, you know, first of all, that premise would definitely make sense in the passages and also would help us in terms of our witness for Mashiach Yeshua because of the fact that Rabbi Tovia Singer, for instance, goes and says that the Magi were pagans and that Herod was a true Jew. <sighs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But, you know, Rabbi Tovia Singer says a lot of goofy things, and that's just kind of how anti-missionaries are. They have to get rid of all history, they have to get rid of all scholarship, and they have to get rid of, well, Tordashi Biapay as well. And so this is what Tovia Singer Singer does. He goes and turns into a Kairite. But the fact is that one of the things that, even though that sounds awesome, that sounds great, especially for a person who's a Hasidic believer in Yeshua myself, you know, that would be perfect if the word that was used within there was Hokamim. And so upon hearing this, I then had to go to the Dalage. I had to go to the Dalage, and for those of you who don't know, I use the Dalage rather often, and the Dalage is a um, Hebrew manuscript that was uh, translated from the Greek by Franz Dalage in terms of the New Testament. Okay, now see, the reason why I constantly go to the Dalage is because of the fact that I don't know Greek. I know Aramaic pretty well, not, not great, but I know my Hebrew pretty darn well. And so I decided to go to the Dalage and see actually what it would be rendered within that of the Hebrew. And within the Hebrew, if we go to chapter 2 of the book of Matthai or Matthew, and we go to verse 7, the word that we have there, and it starts with the letter Lamed, which is La, okay? But, the you know, that's, that's just a, um, that is just a, a part of grammar, okay? So you would have to go to the next letter, which is Mem, Gimel, 
Vav, Shin, Yod, Memsophit. Okay? And the way that we would end up rendering this is um, uh, Megashim. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry um, Megushim. Megushim is, is, is who these individuals are. This is who the Magi are, the, the Megushim. Not Chokamim. But the thing that we are going to realize as we get into some of the things that many great scholars have said about that of the Magi, as well as realizing that Daniel was the chief of the Magi within that of the book of Daniel, we are going to see some very, really interesting things, okay? And the first uh, little note I'm going to come from is this is a screenshot I ended up taking from that of the, um, of the Complete Jewish Study Bible. And this is what is said within there. It says, despite the prophetic nature of Matthew 2, certain Jew Jewish scholars incorrectly conclude that, that this is the first anti-Semitic assertion of the New Testament, where God chose the Magi, presumably Gentiles, now we're, we're going to look at that premise, over his covenant people Israel, in presenting the Jewish Messiah, as we see in verse 7. Jewish scholar Amma, uh, Amy uh, Jill Levine points out that Matthew's second chapter has been read as a foreshadow of the passion in which evil Jews persecute the righteous while good Gentiles seek their well-being. <laughs> Historically, Christian theologians have mistakenly insisted that the term magi was used as the nature for priests and wise men among the Medo-Persians and the Babylonians. These persons were supposed to be um, apt in the secret learning of which remote uh, um, antiquity had its seat in Egypt and later in Chaldea, from which latter fact they were called Chaldeans. Most Christian scholars thus argue that the Magi were Gentiles and of pagan origin. However, recent biblical scholarship and archaeological evidence have proven that the Magi were neither Gentiles nor astrologers, stargazers, but in fact were Jewish sages, which would have been actually Kolkomim. As noted by Kashtan, uh, Babylon was still the place of the residence of the majority of the Jewish community, even as Matthew was writing in the first century. Of the origin of the Magi, scholars agree that they are linked to the prophet Daniel near 500 BCE, who in the diaspora awaited for the time to return to the restoration of Israel. Some have even speculated that these wise men came from Jewish school and went back to Daniel's day where the prophet looked at the heavens and promised the arrival of the Messiah. The star in the east was a fact of manifestation of Adonai Shekinah, the divine presence, making the arrival of the Son of Man. The Jewish Mish, uh, uh, Midrash Agadat Mashiach uh, Ben Ha um, uh, Midrash remarks, this is the star of the Messiah and will abide in the east 15 days. And if it tarries longer, it will be, a, it will be good, be of the good of Israel as the accusation that God proving the revelation of the Magi is anti-Semitic, this is refuted in the wise men who were in fact Jewish sages awaiting the arrival of Israel's Messiah. Now, at the same time, we can go and cite that passage, but we also have to realize that in terms of Halakha, we cannot jump 
straight to Hazel. Okay, we have to first of all go to the Shoftim. We first of all have to go to Talmud. And this is where we end up having some problems. Because if we go to the Babylonian Talmud in terms of Shabbat 156a, it says, how do we know that the people of Israel were not under the influence of stars? Because it is said, do not learn the way of the nations, and do not be terrified by the signs of the heavens, although the nations are terrified by them. The nations are terrified, but not Israel. Now, the interesting thing is that when we look at this quotation from that of Shabbat within that of context, we end up seeing um, individuals, they're, they're having this discussion within about individuals who are going about different ways of going and calculating when the Shabbat is. And so what happens is that when we go and quote from Agadab Nidrashim, the passage that that uh, was cited within the footnote of the Complete Jewish Study Bible, many people will go and come back with this. But the thing about though is that, again, we have to get the context correct in terms of this. So, you know, that's why it is that I had to go and mention the context of this particular passage. But we also have something from Mishnah Torah, um, Halachot Melchim, which is, you know, as you guys know, from that of the Rambam. And this is what the Rambam ends up saying. The Rambam says, even in the section of the Torah about Balaam, it is said that there Balaam prophesied about the two anointed ones, i.e. the Messiahs. From the, first two, from the first anointed one, David, who saved Israel from the hands of his enemies, and the last anointed one who will arise from among David's seed and who will save Israel in the end days. Um, and there he says, in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17 through 18, I see him, now, see him, but not now. This refers to David. I behold him, but not near. This refers to the King Messiah. A, a star shall come forth from Jacob. This refers to David. And a scepter shall rise from Israel. This refers to the King Messiah. He shall crush through the forehead of Moab. This refers to David. As it, it's, as it says, he defeated Moab and measured them with the line, as we see in 2 Samuel chapter uh, 8, verse 2. And as it continues on, it says, And tear down all the sons of Seth. This refers to the king Messiah, of whom it is said, May he also rule from, this, from sea to sea. Edom shall be a possession. This refers to David, as it is said. All the Edomites became servants to David, as we see in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 14. And Seir, its enemies, will also be a possession. This refers to the king Messiah, as it is said, the deliverers will ascend to Mount Zion and to judge the mountain of Esau. Okay, and so this is what we end up having, having being said from that of the Rambam, from the Talmud, and from Agadat Medrashim. Okay, so we have a lot on our plate in terms of going and looking at these things, but let's go and look at another theory. Let's go to the Jewish annotated New Testament, and let's go to the footnotes that are within there. Now, I got the entire footnote here, so let me go and find where it is that it, uh, this goes and is talked about here. We'll just start at the top. It says, Matthew emphasizes a title to contrast Herod's rule with Jesus, the son of David. Herod ruled from uh, 37 to 4 BCE. Bethlehem, five minutes south of Jerusalem, 
The wise men, Greek, Magi, early Jewish readers may have rendered these Persian astrologers, uh, regarded these Persian astrologers not as wise, but foolish or evil. Philo calls Balaam a magos, as we see in the life of Moses. Uh, and so it goes on from, uh, from, from the, well, it, it goes on to say, like the genealogies Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth, they foreshadow a Gentile mission. Okay, so we see that idea of the Gentile mission, you know, that it is that uh, is mentioned in the complete Jewish study Bible. Uh, King of the Jews, the star perhaps here suggests an angel, as we see in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, related to Balaam's prophecy. No ancient sources confirm this astrological phenomenon. And so, you know, uh, it goes on here. Doesn't say any more about the Magi. It says that, uh, well, it does near the end. It says, gold, frankincense, myrrh, myrrh, perhaps alluding to Isaiah 60, verse 6, um, underlying the tradition that the Magi are kings. So we have many different ideas there, and we see some of that, uh, some of that anti-Semitism being propagated that was warned about within then the complete Jewish uh, study Bible as well, being shown uh, within there as well. So you know, it's it, it's very interesting how it is that we uh, constantly see these kinds of things start to come up. Now another one of my commentaries. And uh, honestly, I don't remember which one this was from. It says, Magi are not merely sorcerers. See, there we go. Sorcerers or magician, ma magicians, although the term magician comes from this word. Nor were they simply astrologers, although they did observe the stars. They were sages, wise men, often in positions of responsibility, but sometimes commanding respect because of their wisdom, even when holding offices. These magi came from the Medo-Persian Empire or Babylon. Okay? And so we have that to deal with as well. Now, here's the thing in terms of this. We've looked at these commentaries. We see how it is that even the people that we asked, you know, online, you know, how the, um, the opinions were all over the place in terms of who these guys, the Magi, are. Now, I'm going to give you my conclusion. Now, this is the conclusion based upon the gospel according to Christopher. <laughs> okay, so this is not within your Bible. It was not a lost book. It is uh, not on the level of Talmud. It's not on the level of Gemara or Tanya or Midrashim. It's not on the level of any of those things. This is a guy on the radio giving you his opinion based upon the information that it is that we have before us. In terms of religion, in terms of history, in terms of textual support, this is what it is that I am going to posit to you, which is, you know, from everything that I've looked at this past week, this is what I believe personally that the Magi are. Personally, I believe that the Magi, considering that Daniel was a part of the Magi, that it is very possible that they were in the land of Babylon, okay? Now, Amy Levine disagrees, okay? And that's okay. That's okay. But the thing about it, though, is that when we go through the story of Daniel, we have to know about the Medo-Persian Empire. We need to know about the Babylonian exile. We need to know about the Babylonian Empire. 
we need to know about this history. And one of the things that was happening during that time is that the the Jewish people were losing their understanding of Hebrew because everybody was speaking Aramaic. And so within those times in the exile, everybody started to learn Aramaic. And it was very easy to learn because we have many similar words and the grammar is the same within that of, of Hebrew and Aramaic because Aramaic is a Semitic language. Okay? And so, you know, that's something to under, to to understand here. Now, during this time as well, we can also see that there was a lot of influence. We see how the, the, the names of the months for the biblical calendar were changed because of those things. Okay? And so we have these things to deal with here. But also, we see that Daniel was not a pagan. We see that Daniel was the leader of the Magi. We see that he was a Semitic-minded individual. So therefore, I would end up saying this, that first of all, they were Semitic people. The Magi were indeed Semitic people. In fact, considering how long it took me to go through all these commentaries to find that I have that, you know, deal with this concept of a star dealing with that of the, of the Messiah, we can go back to the Talmud yet again and see where it is that, first of all, Rabbi Akiva thought that Bar Kokhba was the Messiah. And because of and the reason why he thought Bar Kokhba was the Messiah, because first of all, Bar Kokhba was a religious zealot. He wanted to overthrow the Greeks. He thought he was Mashiach ben David, the conquering king Messiah. That's what Bar Kokhba thought he was, and that's what Rabbi Akiva thought that Bar Kokhba was. So what happens is, Rabbi Akiva goes and says that he believes that Bar Kokhba is Messiah because of the fact that Bar Kokhba means the son of the star. So this premise was within Judaism about a star symbolizing that of the Messiah and a star leading the people to that of the Messiah. Now, considering that these things are buried so far deep within that of rabbinic texts and, and rabbinic thought, first of all, we have to say these weren't individuals who were novices in terms of things such as the Torah, the Ketuvim, and that of the Tarashia Bialpe. These were people who were deeply studied. These were people that were on Baal Shem Tov level. Now, the Baal Shem Tov was the one who brought about what is known as Hasidic Judaism. It was the Baal Shem Tov that brought this about, and basically, in my theory, he resurrected the very halakha of Yeshua, because I believe that Yeshua HaNotzri taught Hasidic Judaism, you know, before Hasidic Judaism was a thing. And it found a reinsurgence through that of the Hasidic movement, movements with a combination between Chabad and Breslev. Now, I don't want to get too far off topic here, but the thing that we have to realize is that those who are within Hasidus have a deep understanding of Kabbalah, of the parts of the Sephiroth, of Gematria, and all of these things. Now, when we look at these concepts that Rabbi Akiva is talking about, we can think of a very famous story about Rabbi Akiva, where he was actually taken into the Pardis with him and three of his friends. Now, Rabbi Akiva was able to leave the Pardis unscathed. 
One of his buddies became apostate. Another one died. And another one went crazy. But Rabbi Akiva left unscathed. Nothing bad happened to him at all. So the thing that I would say is that considering this concept of a star leading people to the Mashiach and being associated with that of the Mashiach, considering that is so far ingrained within that of Judaism and even within that of Tractate Sanhedrin, within that of the Talmud, it goes and it talks about the three sets of 2,000 years. And actually, the time in which Yeshua HaNotri, Yeshua of Nazareth, was born, this was one of the times where it was that it was announced that chances are the Messiah would be born at this time. And considering that we have that whole premise right there, you know, this is, this is something that these were individuals who were so deep within that of knowledge of Hasidus. And so therefore, I would say that first of all, these people may have had some Babylonian influence as we see with even in modern Judaism today. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. You know, we're not going to go and, you know, go and start referring to the month of Nisan as Abib again or anything like that because, you know, that's based on what the, you know, the community has adopted, you know, and something that Hazel has adopted. And now that we don't have a Sanhedrin, we have to look to Hazel. You know, it's one of the obligations that we have in Torah portions, Mishpatim and Shoftim. It's the, one of the obligations that Mashiach says that it is that we have in Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. It's one of the obligations that Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, says that we have within Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, as well within that of Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. We have this obligation. We don't break away from the community and do 250,000 calendars. We'll allow the Michael Roods and the Hebrew Roots movement to go and do that, but we're not going to do that. We are a part of the Jewish community. We have grafted ourselves into Israel, which are the Jewish people. And so with this, we also see within the story as well, that first of all, they go to Herod, the guy that wants to kill the Jewish Messiah that was called Mahut HaYehudim, the king of the Jews. We see that it is that they go to Herod, they said. You can't find them. They were protecting the Messiah. They were protecting the Messiah within this whole thing. They were protecting the king of the Jews. Now, if these individuals were pagans, would they have protected the king of the Jews? If these people were pagans, would they not have sided with that of Herod as opposed to that of the Jewish people? Would they not? Would not? Would they? Would they? Yeah, would they not have sided with Herod over the Jewish Messiah? Absolutely, absolutely. So the thing about it, though, is that I think that you know there are many pieces, contextually, to what is said within these commentaries. I love the Jewish annotated New Testament, but however, uh, the footnote in there, as you could tell, I, I really wasn't a fan of. But I think there's parts of the pieces. There are parts of the entire puzzle within the pieces of all of these commentaries here. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, I hope and I pray that this has been helpful to you. And I can't wait to, uh, to be with you guys on Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we do our live study for the Torah portion Shemot as we go through the, uh, the Semitic languages. We also go through that of Hasidic thought.
We also go through that of the Mashiach within that of the Torah portion. We go through a reading from the Zohar, and we got a new segment as well that we are premiering this week to where we actually have Christopher, uh, uh, our good buddy Christopher, who's actually, not me, the other Christopher that you guys met a couple of weeks ago. He is actually going, he just got himself a nice volume of the Medrash Rabbah in terms of Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus. And he is going to uh, uh, go and discuss in one of the segments part of one of the readings from that of Shemot, uh, Shemot Rabbah within that of the uh, of the teaching. So we got one more segment that has kind of expanded it out, and I cannot wait for Friday night. And I know you guys can't either. All right. So again, if this teaching has been helpful to you, make sure to go and check out LapidJudaism.com. Make sure to go and hit the PayPal button over there. You could donate via a credit card or, or through your PayPal account or debit card or what have you. You can go and do that. Make sure to go and subscribe absolutely for free on iTunes to the MP3s or the videos. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe on, on Vimeo. And make sure to go and check out our over 2,000 archives that we have right over there at LapidJudaism.com by clicking on the podcast button, then click on Brutal Planet. And then, you know, you can go and go through all of those archives. <laughs> all right, so Shalom Bracha, peace and a blessing. Shalom. So you want to learn Hebrew or Aramaic or maybe both? Make sure to check out HebrewandAramaic.com. All three of the instructors on the website have accredited Moray licenses to teach the languages that they teach on the website. You can take the lessons on your very own time and they even have a Roku channel so you can learn from the comfort of your very own couch. With over 200 videos going step-by-step through the languages and all the various scripts and over 100 PDFs of exercises and quizzes, this is the most thorough set of lessons that you'll find anywhere on the languages of the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah. So visit HebrewAndAramaic.com today and sign up for only $15 a month.